Margin Call is the podcast that gives you behind-the-scenes access to the ups and downs of working in the Forex CFD industry. We interview the people that keep the show on the road, giving you insight into what makes the industry tick. The series is guest-hosted by myself, Jordan Michaelides, and produced by the team at Neural Media. To learn more, visit gomarkets.com.au slash podcast. That's G-O-M-A-R-K-E-T-S dot com.au slash podcast. Or take a look at the Go Market suite of products at gomarkets.com.au. Go Markets is a derivatives broker and Jordan Michaelides is the managing director of Neural Media. All opinions expressed by Jordan and podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Go Markets, an AFSL license holder. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for financial decisions nor as an indication of future performance. Clients of Go Markets may hold positions in the derivatives mentioned. A financial services guide and product disclosure statement for our products are available at gomarkets.com.au. In this episode, we spoke with Chris Gore. Chris is GoMarket CEO, company secretary, and responsible manager for their AFSL license. He's a long-serving staff member at GoMarkets and an industry veteran in the Forex operations and commentary business with at least 10 years experience. Chris is most known for showing a level-headed approach to a market that often opts for scuttlebutt and hearsay. This is a fascinating episode where we covered his favorite podcasts, what's to come in Forex, and how the industry has changed, the future of Go Markets, the state of the global economy, and looking back at the 2016 US election. This is the end of season one for Margin Call, and we've got some interesting plans ahead for season two. Thanks for those that have joined us as guests and the listeners, of course for your attention. We've enjoyed making the show and we hope you've enjoyed listening to it. If you like this episode, do subscribe on your podcast app or consider sharing with one of your friends. But with all that being said, let's get into the episode with Chris Gore. Chris, thanks for joining me. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here. Uh, numero 10, you're the, the last one off the rank. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about questions to ask you and seeing as we're doing a podcast, what are your favorite podcasts to listen to? I like to listen to, um, well, I guess like most people um, who are into podcasts, uh, probably started off listening to Joe Rogan. And um, uh, every morning on, when I'm on, uh, on the train, I, I generally jump on and, and listen to what's going on. Um, who he's talking to. And he seems to get some excellent guests these days as well. Yeah, like ve- very... Um Particularly in the economics front, he, he can get some really interesting guests, but mainly like I find his science type guests are really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Like when, he, when Neil deGrasse Tyson and someone like that is on, that's that's the stuff. But he's the original he's the original guy when it comes to podcasting. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, when it comes to this industry, you've been in it for a long time now. Yep. Uh, you've gone from technical analysis to working with data in at ig and go doing a bit of sales trading here and there commentary as well yep all the way up to ceo i i'm curious we've gotten some different threads amongst these interviews that we've done now but from your perspective how has the industry changed since you've been in it 
It's changed a, a great deal in the sense that um, initially, um, of course, there were only a few industry participants, only a few major companies. Right. Um, so I remember back in 2004 when I started um, with IG, it was a new and exciting product. It was something that was quite, quite different to what we'd seen before in financial markets and, and certainly traders were exposed to things like uh, options and, and warrants. And then all of a sudden we had this new and interesting CFDs. And um, so I remember back in 2004 speaking to, to potential clients and, and things and, and the conversations were very different. It was, how does it work? How do these things work? Well, the um, CFDs. CFDs or, yeah. or leveraged instruments in general. Uh, okay. And that was the topic of conversation. It would be about explaining it. These days, I think things are quite different. Many people um, are experienced and, and have a, a sound knowledge when it comes to, uh, to trading and, uh, and certainly using level, uh, leveraged instruments. Um, so competition. For example, in Australia, I think we've gone from a three or four large particip industry um, participants to maybe 60 or so licenses. 60? 60. 60, yeah. Some of those we, you know, I, I know, I, I believe there's around about 60 licenses in Australia. Yeah. Probably a little bit more. And uh, I'm not sure how, um, uh, if those, those are active and, and, and providing services, but um, certainly there's a lot of brokers in Australia as well providing services to the, uh, the Asia region, Asia region um, ah, right. specifically China. Um, so some of them you won't even have heard of. So industry participants have um, certainly grown a lot, um, although we have seen a, a pullback on licences being issued. Um, why, why is that, do you think? Well, this is a... It's a I mean, the, the regulators um, classify this type of product as a, a complex investment, huh. um, and I guess um, I guess they're probably not complex, and they're not necessarily investments. <laughs> so, but still, you, you get what they're trying to say. Yeah, um, yeah. Complex investment, and and certainly um, they probably issued too many licenses in the early days. Really, um, and uh, and needed to pull back and. The more licenses out there, the more, I guess, um, um, providers of financial services might um, be offering their services in a, in a way that um, the regulators don't like, taking extraordinary risks and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, that would make sense um, if, if you've extended that much. I mean, I think there's been a bit of consolidation in the industry yeah. from, from the last few years, at least from when I was in it. I know from uh, probably, yeah, 2012, 13, there were some big changes in terms of smaller businesses merging others not so much going bust but they're they've at least not continued the brand or not continued to operate there was some enforcement outcomes yeah, yeah definitely which is quite quite a positive thing i think yeah um yeah it, it sort of it just cleans out the industry a bit and and refines the product and the offering absolutely and i think because we've said in conversations off the podcast having worked in the crypto space i feel like eventually the same thing will happen there. Mm. You know, we've got this thing right now where I reckon you could name, you said 60, I reckon you could name 70 different exchanges that Australians can open up an account with wow. in the crypto space. That's maybe amazing. more, maybe more, easily. And they're a little bit more nefarious, if you, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I know you guys gotcha. off, off to, offer crypto products, but it just makes me wonder how long until they're sort of I don't know, li the licensing in Australia 
is actually inclusive. You know, the Forex AFSL is actually Forex CFDs AFSL is actually inclusive of crypto as well. You know, maybe companies that I've worked with would have to piggyback off someone like a Go. It probably should be. It yeah. certainly does need to be some sort of um, regulation um, when it comes to crypto. And I know that um, some providers are, are caught by um, certain licensing re- um, requirements in the crypto world. Mm. I don't know exactly how that works. But but nonetheless, it's very important that the um, the regulators have, have control and have some sort of uh, uh understanding and insight into the, into the industry, um, particularly because the people who are using the services are uh, many retail clients. And um, yeah. it's, it's a little bit different to, with the crypto stuff, it's, it's a little bit different in that, um, that using a, a regulated product like a CFD or, or going to a CFD provider in that you are sending funds and there are rules associated with how you treat those funds. Mm-hmm. Um, in the crypto world, I'm not sure exactly what happens in that way. I mean, you give them money and uh, they need to issue you something. Well, um, I, I know that in, in, in the crypto world, it's very, very loose in comparison to Forex. Like in Forex, you have your trustee account um, and that whole process where there's that whole segregation between clients. But in the crypto world, yeah, it's it's client monies are there, there in your own bank account mm. for most exchanges there's, because there's no licensing there's no requirement to have a separation of uh, client monies yep it seems like it's very open to uh, to negative outcomes at some point in time at, at the moment yeah yeah i mean the regulation on that will be interesting over the next i'd say on the next year i was actually just doing a piece on that but um mm. yeah let's let's wait and see till march april i think there's going to be some big announcements from treasury well i guess there. i guess that um I guess the regulators probably don't want to stifle innovation as well. There's that, yeah. I mean, which is very important. Yeah. Yeah, um, well, the, the Treasury literally had a piece that literally said that. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, the, the basically the Treasury piece was, we're having a review. It's going to be done by April. Mm-hmm. We think this thing is good, but we don't want to stifle anything. Mm. So we need to protect people, but we also need to make sure that Australia is in a, a good position, basically. So, yeah, like I said, March, April is going to be very interesting to see what the findings are. Yeah, um, so I think this year will be intriguing. Well, for our industry, it's um, I think April is quite important as well. I think the um, there's a design and distribution um, um, a bill going through Parliament, which I believe is going to be. For, for forex, for forex, uh, or for for um, derivatives, OTC derivatives, yeah. Oh, really? So, uh, uh, in a nutshell, it, it means that. Well, there's two things I, I believe. Um, someone there might be a better expert to, to speak of it, but um, but there are two things. There are product intervention powers, um, which gives the regulators the ability to um, to temporarily stop a product from being offered. Huh. Um, and there's design and distribution obligations, and, um, and what these are is, is, I guess, making sure that the product that you offer is offered to the right type of person. Right. Okay. So what the, I guess what that means in a nutshell is that if you're offering a complex investment product, um, you can't be offering that product to someone who or advertising it at a local football match, which <laughs> is not the right demographic. Wow. Yeah. That's going to really change how the industry distributes yeah i mean it could have a, a profound effect and and, and you know it could, I, well, ge- I generally think quite positive in the long run of course yeah but like the reason why i say that is because great example in the crypto space so last year 
basically you cannot advertise as of last year you could not advertise on facebook or google mm. um assets we we've only just gotten back onto facebook assets and google is okay now as well yeah but for a period of about nine months our businesses in the crypto space had to find new ways to distribute or reach their customers mm. um, apart from the ones that they're already that they already had but finding new customers that's that's we had to go full on towards content mm, so it's, it's really interesting that you say that because um, i did see something pop up on, on um, one of those social media platforms the other day which um referred to using crypto in a self-managed superannuation superannuation fund yeah which was astonishing to me i was shocked to see it really yeah yeah it's it's commonplace now really yeah i'd say in in, in the businesses i've worked with 20 to 30 percent of their clients are self-managed super wow yeah we we can onboard individuals trusts or companies yeah so anyone can use it and the volatility side of things volatility in crypto is interesting if you had asked me two months ago or three months ago, it would have been as volatile as one of your top 20 companies in the ASX or yep. like a bond in some way. But the volatility has doubled in the last month or so mm. as the price has fluctuated. It went way down and now it's bounced way back up. But um, yeah, there's a lot of kinks that has to be behind <laughs> that in crypto. I mean, you, you guys at Go Markets have taken on a very select group of cryptos, I think is mainly Bitcoin. Mm. And Ethereum. Yep. Um, what, what was your intrigue around that? Why, why cryptocurrency? Well, crypto was, was... The type of inquiries we're getting was unlike anything I've ever seen. Really? Um, people were calling in every day and saying, do you have cryptocurrency? Do you support Bitcoin? Or do you um, offer Ethereum? And, you know. All so those sorts. It was very popular. And um, we felt compelled, but it took us a long time to do it because there were certain liquidity issues. And we felt if we were going to make this product, which we can make many different types of derivatives, but um, if we're going to make this product, we wanted to make it well. Yeah. And it was hard to do that. So we had to get the right liquidity. We had to, um, um, for a period of time there, we had to limit the amount of orders that we could take. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which was, in my opinion, the, the probably the best and, and fairest way to offer the product, to limit exposure to our particular um, our exposure to the product, whether it be Bitcoin or, or whatever it may be. But now things have cooled down significantly, but we still get a reasonable amount of volume mm-hmm. passing through. Yeah, well, uh, it's definitely come off from the peak, but. I can imagine how, when you were considering to put this on, that you'd really want to take your time. Mm. I know that Go Markets has always been very cautious about putting on certain products. Absolutely. Because um, there's nothing worse than putting on a product and then all of a sudden it shoots you in the face. Yeah. Like, it, there's just nothing worse than a than an ill-conceived idea being distributed to your clients. We didn't want to pioneer that product. No. It was just... It was unknown for us, you know. It's a completely different world. Yeah, you needed to test it out, look at it properly and so Mm. forth. Even if you meet um, people in the crypto world, completely different type of people. Oh, yeah. It's totally different type of customer. But it's interesting that you had those customers reaching out to you because it tells you and I guess myself that your client base is... is, uh, 
it's not so much the client base, but the product is reaching a new type of client. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like your client base is more of the pro trader types that would look at FX and CFDs and stuff like that. That's totally different from the first adopters. And we've sort of noticed that mm. um, in the crypto business as to how that's changed as well. Maybe where it's going from there. Is it institutional that's next? Because the, all the retail first adopters are like, I want to get crypto. But um, Do you find that the crypto base is still that... that doom and gloom type client um not really it's changed it's changed dramatically yeah i'd say that the, the bulk of those people are more like you know fx cfd type clients like professionals who are intrigued by the product but then you get you know people who are semi-retired you get people who have a bit of money and they like trading on the side it's just a more nuanced view that you get in clientele now yeah and i it's think clearly changed i remember commenting about it it must have been 2009, 10, maybe. Uh, I remember doing a, a little thing on it um, as part of my commentary. And um, it was at that, at that point in time, it did feel to me like it was one of those alternative sort of products, you know, where you'd have someone like, I don't know, Alex Jones <laughs> sprouting, you know, the benefits. Kooky individual. Yeah. <laughs> sprouting the the benefits of some uh, protein powder. Yeah, it had sort of <laughs> it had sort of that type of feeling, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> now it's very much legitimi- it's legitimizing as as time goes by. Mm. It, that has me thinking about go markets and the competitive advantage because like you like you said, you took a while to decide to put this on. You obviously didn't lose a whole bunch of clients because the business continues and continues growing year by year. So I'm intrigued as to how do you view your competitive advantage? Why do people use Go over someone else? We have a solid foundation, a solid base, being one of the first in the industry in Australia. Mm. Um, Certainly the first um, MT4 provider, one of the first. We have a solid advantage in that way in terms of being able to, um, I guess, use our, our longevity in the industry mm. as a form of, um, of collateral in some ways. Because when you're going to give your money to someone, if it's going to be held in, 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 in a bank account or, or with a, a, a provider, you want to know that that provider's been around for a while. Yeah. So for us, it's, I think it's that we've, we've passed that sort of critical sort of test over the years. So there's almost like an element of trust there. Well, yeah, certainly. Yeah. I mean, and the same the same could be said for, for other major providers, our competitors yeah. um, who have been in the industry for a while. But I could imagine if I were to, um, to start off again with a new provider, it would be quite a hard road. And yeah. some have, 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 have tried and failed. And you, you were always, uh, you used to tell me back in the day that it was always about the customer or the client. Uh, I'm just, I guess I'm, I'm intrigued by how you go about thinking about that because you, you've always sort of had that element to your personality where you think very carefully about a decision. You know, like I feel like most leaders that I've, other leaders that I've worked with would be like, they've got an answer right away, but you like to very much think very carefully about a decision from reimbursing a client to new products to some sort of compliance thing. That's probably one of my weaknesses. Really? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, well, I would say it's, it's, it's got its, its benefits, and um, I think it, it comes from experience. I guess in in some ways, um, dealing with quite negative situations mm. and learning from it, um, knowing that you know it's good to be prudent. Um, it's good to be um, be 
have some reasonable knowledge about the subject matter and uh, and only do what you're going to do when um, when you're comfortable with it. So I guess um, I don't I don't look that as an look at that as a negative trait because I've realised over the years I would often jump into having an answer on something straight away, mm. and I know that just from a biological perspective, your brain takes 20 minutes to really process the facts of the situation absolutely and you need to you need time to stew over it Mm. and to think about it yeah i i I do find that sometimes (laughs) um, i'll I'll say something like oh let's sleep on it and see what happens you know what i mean it's uh it's one of those things that sort of and the the answer just comes to you oh okay i should have thought about this exactly yeah like i find that when when i do my research even for our episode i the best way to do it is to go just all out and be researching and then come back to it like a day later and then start really nutting out the idea the ideas that sort of stayed in my head if that makes sense Mm. and i feel like i sort of learned that from you back in the day because i I would used to just you know like this is what i want to do straight away or this is my idea Mm. um that could also be a thing of maturity as well who knows yeah certainly i think maturity is one thing (laughs) you know when you're young you um you're a bit um, more brash yeah absolutely you're yeah. willing you've got ideas and and you want to do things straight away yeah um which is also can be a positive attribute and that's why when you see people who are particularly i guess particularly bold and um and they might make a lot of mistakes but sometimes they they if they plant enough seeds there's some things that come off you know yeah. what i mean so yeah it's, it's sort of it, <laughs> like if it, it's sort of like a um not consistency bias. It's sort of like, uh, you know, everyone looks at venture capital and they say, oh, everyone, you know, you go into that, you're going to be like Facebook mm. because Facebook's the one that everyone looks to. But they don't look at the hundred other companies that were in that VC fund that failed. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just sort of like, yeah, the person's had some lucky charms, but hey, the next one might not be. But th- but that sort of innocence is is something that, you can't learn you know what i mean um it can work it if can. you think about it, it all can. the the risks that people take along the line along the way yeah um so i guess that's one of my critiques of myself is to you know perhaps i uh, along the way don't take enough risk mm. um but um well it's just one of the i feel like that's one of the competitive advantages of of go as well it sort yeah. of integrates as a competitive advantage now the future of the business, um, I know I'm always asking you this sort of stuff, but I can't help but think, we've spoken about crypto, what is, what do you see happening? There's obviously that that hearing you're talking about, mm. particularly around distribution. What do you think happens in the industry for the next few years? Well, I think it's important that it consolidates. Um, it's a good time for providers like us to expand, um, certainly look at uh, alternate um, jurisdictions, uh, licensing. Um, When you say licensing, do you mean like white labelling your platform to someone else? Regulatory uh, uh, licensing Ah, in different jurisdictions. So for an example, we're going through the process in the UAE at the moment. Really? Um, And um, so we've been working pretty hard on that and I've been getting stuck into it myself. And huh. um, and we've got someone on the ground over there. So these are all quite positive things for um, for the company in the future. I guess in the years gone by, we've, we've we really have focused on Australia because that's that's always been what works for us. Mm. Um, it's where you where the majority or the original market was. Of course, yes. You know, yeah. it's where the office is, the the main office. 
Yes, and um, but but I think that we 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 perhaps um, could have planted the seeds a little bit earlier mm. in different jurisdictions, and um, but there's no time like the present. Yeah, and um, we're going through that that process at the moment, and um, so that's pretty exciting for us. Well, we really why, are. Why the UAE? Because that is very exciting. Like I'm, I would never have thought of. The, I would have thought like maybe Cyprus or. It's demand based. Um, we certainly um, uh, we've done a research. To certain jurisdictions like um, um, Dubai and um, um, even South Africa, and, and there's a whole world of business that we miss out on, uh, really? and that we don't see because of our, our inability to sort of venture in there before. But um, certainly, um, we do get some demand from Dubai at the moment, but um, or the UAE in general, and the MENA region, I should really say. Yeah. Um, Middle East, North Africa. Exactly. Yeah. But um, we could do so much better over there if we were to... Uh, we have a base over there and um, and we've got some talent on the ground. Yeah. Um, and it's all about talents. It's all about people who are, are, are talented in the industry and have a thirst for um, for, for growing a business. And and I found that's been the hardest thing to, to, to really get, I guess, um, just... P- People have it. You can find so many people to work with who are <laughs> extremely intelligent and um, um, very good at what they do. But um, it's that person that comes along who's who may not have the best um, education, but just has a, a, a thirst for you know building a business and getting stuck in and meeting people and yeah, and a good personality and a good personality. Yeah, because you got to want <laughs> like you know you're working all these hours with them. You yeah. got to want to work with them. Exactly. But it yeah. sounds very exciting. I, I, I completely forgotten about the UAE. <laughs> I completely I seriously I'd completely forgotten about it and um I, I remember seeing that you guys were hiring um for are you still hiring at the moment? This this episode will be out in two weeks. Um well not not actively, not for the the, the UAE. Mm-hmm. Um we're always we're always, always hiring. hiring. Yeah. yeah, there's always something going on. <laughs> um because the business is growing and growing really well. Yeah. yeah. Um we're running out of time, but I, I, one of the things I wanted to pull back to in your the early elements of your career was the global economy. You used to do commentary a lot. Yep. You must you must get a bit of a kick still these days looking at people doing, you know, you know how people get stuck in that that window of commentary. You've got to be constantly pumping out content on a daily basis or a weekly basis. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm curious with with everything that's going on with trade wars. There's Brexit. Is actually happening this month, I mm-hmm. believe. Um, by the time this episode's out, it'll be two weeks from then. There's Trump, obviously. How do you see the state of the global economy right now? Well, I guess if we're looking at the market or various markets um, as, a, as a barometer, I guess, and if we're looking at US markets in particular, um, things are going reasonably well. We've seen a lot of growth there. S&P, what finished is up around about 11%, I think, That's pretty from year to date, which is quite positive. And um, if we have a look at currency, um, we are seeing things like um, sterling re- recompose, I guess you could say, um, notwithstanding the um, Brexit concerns and, and the fallout. And I guess I look at those sort of things and, and from my my time regularly commenting on, on you know, the latest thematic I kind of see that. I mean, we markets factor in these extreme case scenarios constantly. Yeah. So we see this um, this 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 event occur, and then all of a sudden there's a huge movement, a shift in the market, 
and um, and then we see that sort of um, regain composure and, yeah. and things like that. It occurs all the time, and and we constantly we get caught up in it. We think, okay, this is the start of something else. You know, I guess the way I look at a lot of these things, it starts off as as what appears to be a meteorite, and 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 when it falls and when it finally arrives, it's the size of a pea. And I'm not saying that's the case with everything, but you get where I'm going with it. I know, it. yeah. yeah. Every, you know, every doomsayer since 2010-11 has been saying, oh, we've just kicked the can down the road economically. There's an even bigger recession coming. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, I guess if you, you throw enough darts, I mean, people saying that prior to 2008 too, or you could reason that um, that they really did have the knowledge and, and, and foresight um, um before two thousand, well, uh, two thousand eight financial crisis when that began, yeah, and um, we had the um, commentators, commentators, some commentators coming out and saying, okay, well, these CDOs are just about to upset the, you know, things, and it did fall like that, yeah, you know, we had Lehman Brothers fall and all those huge events. Well, the interesting thing is that, and I was listening to a talk by Ray Dalio the other day, and he was saying that when these events happen, that no, was Howard Marks, sorry, uh, famous debt value investor, and he was saying. When these events happen, it's always the opposite thing that people think it is. Mm. You know, a lot of people talk about the banking sector at the moment. Most of the banking sector is deleveraged at the moment. The issue is not actually in uh, the banking sector. It's just in the actual economy. Mm. You know, people taking out massive debts to buy a degree and stuff like that. So, it's going to be interesting. I, I feel like this year, because of what's going on with the Fed... With the tightening of rates, who knows what could happen? Yeah, there's a lot of themes out there at the moment. Um, uh, what's what's the trade ma- wars and things like that? And and, and to me, I mean, th- this whole trade war has has been a common sort the of brouhaha around it. Well, yeah, I mean, we were talking about this ten years ago. You know, with uh, 2008, um, we saw the Fed quantitative easing and things like that and a race to the bottom I guess at the effective race to the bottom yeah. um, people wanted to devalue their currencies well economies wanted to to devalue their currencies and um, and it makes perfect sense mm. to have a cheaper currency of course and um, so what we're seeing at the moment is nothing new so I guess I guess at this point in my career I get the benefit of, of sitting back and, and being a little bit aloof and, and judicial I guess well it goes back to the fact that you you've you've got that ability to sit back and look at a situation because you've seen it all. Like, you've been in these situations. You've been through the GFC. I can imagine that would have been uh, uh, an interesting occasion working in the... Were you working in the industry during the GFC? Yeah, Yeah. I was. I was working at IG. So, a lot of the time, there was a lot of trades going through. It was a a horrible time, I guess. Uh, You know, and and not for me as it was for for a lot of the senior people at the time. Yeah. Um, because there was significant and material market movements, and um, from a, a company perspective, you've got this these huge events and um, and exposure to markets. Um, so, so from my perspective, it was um, I guess it was just an extremely busy time. Yeah. And um, and certainly at that time, I started to doing doing some sort of some commentary as well. Yeah. And um, but um, things these days are, are, seem to be a little bit more. Placid. Um, placid, yeah. <laughs> but things change very quickly, as you know. And there's some major themes coming up. Of course, there's a US election next year. Um, That's Is right. that next year? 2020? Yeah, 2020. Yeah? 2020. We're already there. Yeah. Isn't that scary? I know. <laughs> and that's going um, to be a huge theme. I mean, 
2016 was massive. I remember commenting on it. I did like a a, a, a quick sort of um, interview about Trump's chances of, of, of getting up in 2016, which no one thought he had a chance in, in mm-hmm. hell. And I guess we were musing on the, the, the impact of, of markets if Trump was to get up. My, yeah. I think back then my central view was that, um, that markets factor in extreme case scenarios and, um, and, you know, in the end it all gets back to market dynamics and fundamentals and things like that, yeah. um, which has been the, largely been the case. And um, the President Trump is also obviously saying, you know, markets it's, all are, it's all me, markets <laughs> are great, markets are moving, you know. It's such a bad move politically. So let's just hope for, <laughs> hope for him that uh, if he wants to campaign again for 2020, that the market doesn't crash between now and then. Well, that's, that's then it'll be all me, baby. Right. <laughs> but but if you really think about it, he's a, a really, um, I guess, a special type of, of person. Oh yeah. <laughs> he he. Uh, if you if you have a look at what happened in the 2016 election, you know, <laughs> I must admit, I, I get. I occasionally go back to like you know the the 2016 election compilation when yeah. they when when they're starting to um um when start Trump starts to win you know certain states that he he was n- and not pe- people's reactions yeah I exactly. had no, I had no I, I did not believe do you know actually in the la- like Brexit and Trump have been t- for me the biggest eye openers politically ever mm. like they they to me really define that we're in a new age of politics because they those two campaigns utilize the new way of talking to people so well mm. in comparison to the old guard which just continued on their merry way and then assumed that they're going to win and then I assumed this, I thought Hillary Clinton had it in the back yeah absolutely who I didn't think, who didn't yeah. I mean everyone was saying what 99% shit yeah. <laughs> and then and then you see these major um, I mean they they work on the on the um, electoral college system over there so you see these major states sort of fall to, fall, to, yeah. fall to, to trump like florida florida yeah um, um uh, what's the one pennsylvania I, wisconsin all those sort of idaho i think it is yeah. is one of the main ones so oh, people, Iowa, sorry people are like oh my god i mean she she did win the popular vote i think just by, by a couple of million couple of million votes but um but nonetheless what a story i know i mean whatever you think of him politically yeah or you might say he's a douche or whatever it might be, um, it, it, it really does take a special type of person to do that and then to be able to, 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 to deal with the negativity on a daily basis. Yeah. But also we were talking about this, like the, the, the era we're in now where someone could do that and, and then just goes, you know, we've covered themes there like the Fed, election and Trump. Uh, yes, there's the trade wars, but as you said, people have been talking about it for years. But who knows? Something on social media could happen that could send us into the next uh, financial crisis. Yeah. We never know. The, the fact is that you don't know. Yep. Quite right. Um, we, this has been good. I've got to jump into some short, fast questions for you. Okay. Uh, what's your morning routine look like? Morning routine, it's... Um it's all about the kids these okay. days because I do have two um, younger children and one older child. Um, but the younger ones need a lot of attention in the morning. So I get up and, um, well, they usually wake me up or, and um, we have breakfast and, um, and get ready for school and, and, and childcare. And, and we go through that process. And my wife's there as well, of course. And um, so it's very busy, always very busy. Yeah. And evening routine? 
get home. Sometimes, unfortunately, I get home late mm-hmm. um, and um, generally have a, a quick bite and put the kids to bed. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's my time to, to spend a bit of time with the kids and read a book. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Ah, what's <laughs> what books have you been reading to the kids of late? <laughs> Does Harry McClary still get to go? <laughs> no, no. Um, uh, my my uh, sister um, got my daughter a present, which is the Billy B mystery books or whatever they're called. So I've been okay. reading them. It, it amazes me how I can read the whole book and not even take in what it's about. <laughs> it's one of those things where I just read it and you know. That's too good. Yeah. Um, Speaking of books, uh, if you have to give one book to the audience for Christmas coming up this year, uh, what would it be? Well, I mean, I don't get a, I don't get a chance to read a lot of books these days, and which is at odds with. Um, I saw something come up and says the average CEO reads sixty books per year. <laughs> I can assure you that's not me. Yeah, <laughs> um, I do like to have a bit of a read, but um, I, I guess for me. When I first moved to Melbourne, I got given a book by a, a colleague of mine at the time, by Daryl Carnegie, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah, it's a great and, book. And that to me was a, a good book. And it, and it came at the right time, you know what I mean? Me being quite young and, and sort of, you know, and, and it teaches some, some very sort of reasonable and, um, I guess, sensible sort of values, Yeah, you know. It's so a brilliant I, book. Yeah, I 100% so I recommend that to people. Yeah, so I think that's a great book, and um, uh, when people, I, I mean, I don't actually give out books a lot these days. Yeah, yeah, it's just I don't know. Usually, Life. it's at a kid's party, and you <laughs> well, know. he's busy listening to podcasts, including this one. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have been listening, by the way. Yeah, yeah it's good to know. Thanks, Chris. Look, um, it's good to have you on. I actually hope we can get you back on, maybe once a season, if we do a few more seasons to do regular commentary because I, I like this. It's good. I pretty much used my whole <laughs> my whole repertoire <laughs> today, so I'll give you I don't know few, if I've got anything else to talk about. I'll give about. you a few topics, don't worry. <laughs> okay, right. good. Thanks for coming in, mate. Excellent. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Margin Call. Before you run off, make sure you subscribe on your podcast app to get first access to new episodes and consider sharing this with a friend who loves the Forex CFD game. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube by searching Go Markets. That's G O M A R K E T S. Until next time, thanks for listening.